Welcome to Mars Park United Methodist Church. My name is Uyon Tim, one of the pastors here. We're so grateful that we can gather to worship and praise God in the house of God, as the family of God. A whole lot of God going on this morning, which is always a good thing. Uh, I invite you to let us know who you are, how we can be of prayers for you. Please fill out the physical hospitality pads at the end of your pews. There's also a QR code at the back of your bulletin. For those of us joining us online, we especially welcome you wherever you may be. Uh, please fill out the form. There's a virtual hospitality link that you can click on to. If you're a first-time visitor, I understand that I'm having mic issues, so I'll try to project as much as possible. Uh, if you're a first-time visitor, please let us know who you are. And just There's a little place where you can check first-time visitor. Uh, we love to get to know you and let you know more about our church. Let me add my words of welcome <laughs> and my mic to this. Sorry, Yuyan. <laughs> Today in the parking lot at 4 o'clock, uh, you don't want to miss it. There's Ben and Jerry's ice cream, but also there's the signing of the beam. If you've not had a chance, it's a topping out ceremony. So we hope you'll come uh, and enjoy some ice cream and sign the beam and celebrate the topping out of our new building. And also, I'd like to add uh, that uh, Dr. Howe uh, went home this week from the hospital from that surprising surgery and he is doing well and recovering and moving forward in his recovery so we're, we celebrate that this morning and now let us continue to prepare our hearts for morning worship
affirmation of faith this morning is the Apostle Creed. It's numbered 881 in the back of your hymnals. Let us unite in this historic confession of our Christian faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. It is a privilege to celebrate the sacrament of holy baptism. Uh, Ellie and Chris bring their son, Thomas Arthur. Ashley and Brandon bring their daughter, Milis Sarah. And Lee, and Lee brings her daughter, Kathleen Novi. brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation, given new birth through the water and the spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. So friends, on behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to renounce evil and repent of your sins? If so, say, we do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to repent of your sins? If so, say we do. Do you confess Christ as your Savior, put your trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord? If so, say we do. And now will you nurture these children in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example, they may be guided to accept God's grace for themselves and profess their faith openly and lead a Christian life? If so, answer with the words, we will. And will you, the members of Myers Park United Methodist Church, include these families now before you in your care? Will you proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ? Will you surround these families with a community of love and forgiveness that they may grow in their service to others? And will you pray for them that they may be true disciples who walk in the way that leads to life? If so, as a congregation, answer with the words, we will. We will. Let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. 
In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and those who receive it to wash away their sin and clothe them in righteousness throughout their lives. That dying and being raised with Christ, that they may share in his final victory. All praise to you, eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever. Amen. Thomas Arthur Cummings, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Mila Sarah Jordy, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Kathleen Novi Smith, I baptize in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, so let your light shine before others, so that they may come to know God, the Father in heaven. Children of God, as you grow in age, may you also grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We rejoice and welcome you to the family of God. I invite you to turn with me in your worship bulletins where you find the prayer confession printed there. Let us confess our sins before God and one another. Let us pray. Gracious God, forgive us for the doubt that clouds our vision, the pain that makes us hide from you, from ourselves, and from those we love most. Free us from our confusion, heal us from our wounds, resurrect us from our shame. 
raise us to the hope and joy that we realize when we are close to you. Amen. And now hear the good news. Christ died for us while we're yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The New Testament reading is 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with the second verse. Like newborn babes, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up to salvation, for you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Come to him, to that living stone, rejected by men, but in God's sight chosen and precious. And like living stones, be yourselves built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, for it stands in scripture. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and he who believes in him will not be put to shame. To you, therefore, who believe, he is precious, but for those who don't, do not believe, the very stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner, and a stone that will make men stumble, a rock that will make them fall. For they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, that you may declare the wonderful deeds of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were no people, but now you were God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the God for the people of God. Thanks be. So we continue in our First Peter passage. We remember that um, it was not too uncommon for the ancient Christians to face different challenges within their social context. They were marginalized people, uh, casted aside. They have lower uh, social status. So the, the, the writer of 1 Peter is trying to remind, continuously remind God's people who, who are reading 1 Peter, your chosen race, remember who you are, who you serve. Do not be discouraged for long. God is with you. Remember, remember your identity, especially when things are hard, especially in the midst of suffering, especially in the midst of Persecution, remember. So we're going to talk about how, we, how do we remember God's stories and who we are uh, in the arms of God. I don't know about you, I see a lot of young kids. It's, it's lovely, always a beautiful thing to see. My children, uh, and I talk about them quite often, and that's the stories I have in my life today. So third and first graders. And now they're old enough to ask really good questions, but kind of impossible questions to answer. They ask questions like death and resurrection. 
They ask questions on poverty and sickness. They ask questions on Adam and Eve, original sin. And like, they're reading the Bible, and, and a lot of it just doesn't make a lot of sense to them, so they ask questions about it. Uh, just the other day, a couple of weeks ago, I think, my daughter Chloe said, Daddy, if Jesus lives in my heart, does that mean Jesus is microscopic? Because my heart's not very big, and if that's true, then how does he breathe in there? Because there's no oxygen, there's just blood in my heart. We laugh about this, but how would you answer that question? Yeah. So inevitably, they go to their mother first to ask these curious questions about the Bible, about our God. And my wife consistently tells our children, go ask your daddy, he's the pastor in the family. <laughs> so they come to me. I listen very intently, and I tell them, go ask James, he's the senior pastor <laughs> of our family. That's one of many wonderful privileges of being at Myers Park. Go talk to the senior pastor. <laughs> uh, special thanks to our children ministry, including our children uh, music ministry. They do a marvelous job to form and shape and nurture our young people in such a way that they ask questions that we rather not them ask us, yes? These are gifts. So grateful for the formation that is taking place at Mars Park United Methodist Church that we are teaching them the stories, stories that they can remember all throughout their lives. We read in verse 2, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. This imagery of milk is different from 1 Corinthians when Paul's talking about you're drinking milk and not eating solid food. Um, here in 1 Peter, it's not so much about criticism of the immaturity of those who are walking in Christian discipleship, but rather 1 Peter is really encouraging people to, to remember that faith journey is not one and done, but instead it is a lifelong process. Salvation is not one and done, but instead we live into the truth and the gift of salvation each and every day. We're on a journey. So 1 Peter invites the readers to grow, right? to explore, to ask questions. Uh, one of my favorite authors is Wendell Berry, and he said in one of the conferences that I attended where he was a guest speaker, he said, and I might have shared this with you before, he said, the critics of Christianity suffer from the same mistake as Christians themselves. That being, they both don't read the Bible. Let that sink in for a little bit. The critics of Christianity suffer from the same mistake as those who proclaim themselves to be Christians. They both don't read the Bible. I got permission to share this story from one of our faithful members, uh, Meg Seitz. Uh, she and I conversed uh, two years ago, well, a little less than two years ago, during Advent of 2021. Uh, we're having a Bible study, and she said, Uyan, here's what I'm going to do during the Advent season. I realized that Gospel of Luke has 24 chapters. I'm going to read a chapter a day in the month of December, and when I'm done, the next day it's Christmas. Oh, what a wonderful plan. So she did that. She read 24 chapters of Gospel of Luke during December, month of December. And after she was done with Luke, she decided, you know, 
Maybe I can read the entire four gospel lessons, right? Matthew, Luke, Mark, and John. That's what she did. She read the entire gospel lesson. And then she thought, maybe I can read the entire New Testament. No reason to stop now. So she kept going. I read the entire New Testament. And then she thought, well, maybe I've come this far. I'll read the entire Bible. So she decided to read the Old Testament and started with Genesis and moved forward. Uh, she did say that some of the most difficult parts was reading Deuteronomy, Leviticus, and Numbers. Gets a little tough, yeah? If you want to read the Bible for the first time, I would not recommend that you start there. Maybe save that for the later time. Yeah? And she was blown away. Meg said it transformed my life. And in fact, so much so that she did, by the way, finish reading the entire Bible in October. So it took her about 10 months. And she said, as she got toward the end of Old Testament, which meant for her would have been the entire Bible because she started in the New Testament, she said, anybody know the last book in the Old Testament? Malachi. And she said she, she had a hard time reading that last book. Why? Because she didn't want to say goodbye. Like she lamented, if I were to finish this, last book in the Bible, then I'm done with reading the Bible and I don't want to say goodbye. This has been such an intimate part of my life for the last 10 months. And, and it's like saying bye to your favorite friend. She didn't want to say goodbye. She said she wept through that last book. And it's, I don't know, it's, can I say this? It's not even that interesting of a book. <laughs> but, but she had a hard time saying goodbye. In reflection, she said these things. I never really fully recognize how amazing Jesus was and is. Like, an entire new stories of Jesus was revealed to me. I never really appreciated Jesus as much as I should. She said, reading the Bible, it reminded me that Jesus did come to see us, to be with us, she was able to grasp the, a far more fullness of the humanity of the writers who wrote, who, was, who were inspired to write our holy book. She no longer, she said, I don't put them on the pedestal, but I find the Bible all the more holy and beautiful, timeless stories. By the way, she's doing the reading of the Bible in a year again. She told me, I'm doing this again. I'm done with the New Testament. I'm on my Old Testament now, getting ready for Deuteronomy, Leviticus, and Numbers, all right? <laughs> we read in our scripture today, be intentional to build spiritual houses throughout our lives, to build spiritual homes deep within us, that faith is not a one-time thing, but rather a lifelong journey. In verse 10, we read these words, once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. It is an invitation for us to become part of God's story. One of the other things that Meg shared was reading the Bible from uh, for the entire year, and she, she read it every day. That's the only way to do it. You can't skip a day. And she said, reading the Bible the way that I did helped me to recognize something so obvious, that God is inviting me onto God's story. Yes, we all have our respective stories, but God is inviting us to graft our story onto God's eternal story of God's faithfulness 
God's salvation, and God's future. I'm going to say something that might make me, I don't know, make me sound like that guy who says, get off my lawn. But here's an observation that I made about social media, which then correlates to some of the biggest challenges that we face as people, Christian or, or non-Christian, doesn't matter. First, for me, I, I'm, I'm, social media is a gift to me. I mean, I have family halfway across the world, and we can share our stories and pictures instantaneously. I'm thankful for that. But here's an unintended byproduct, and perhaps it's not so unintended after all. One of the biggest challenges that we face as people, particularly those of us who are young people, I don't know when that young starts and old begins. You know, it's, I guess, up to the person. Some of the biggest challenges that we face is the temptation of envy. Envy. It's to align our respective story beside someone else in comparison and in competition. It's really eating us from the inside as society and as a community. Temptation of envy. Um, it is not just in the secular world. It pervades our Christian world just the same. And I think when I read First Peter here, it is an invitation from God for us not to juxtapose our stories next to in comparison and in competition of the others, but God's inviting us, hey, graph your story onto me because it will not rob you of life, but it will give you life anew. Take my story onto your life because it's transformative. There is, some of you may recognize this name, John Gilgood was a famous, uh, brilliant British actor from the mid-1900s, yeah? Uh, in his autobiography, he writes these words. When Sir Lawrence Olivier played Hamlet in 1948 and the critics raved, I wept. What is he saying? Instead of celebrating the accomplishments of my friend, I was so consumed by envy and jealousy, I cried because it hurt me so much. And here's a wonderful transformative thing that can happen. When we graft God's stories onto our story and to graft our stories onto God's, instead of being tempted by the envies of the world, uh, that is replaced by the gift of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving for the life that we've been given. Thanksgiving for your accomplishments and the things that you've been able to do in this life. We can give thanks. We can celebrate together. So that's an invitation for us. It sounds so obvious. One of the marks of discipleship is what? Read the Bible. It's, it's hard to take in the stories that we've not read it's hard to share the gospel that we've not read. It's hard to become the people from the very book that tells us who we're supposed to be. Read the Bible. Maybe today you can start with the gospel of Matthew or Luke or Mark or John. Uh, my recommendation always is start with the gospel. And when you're feeling real bold, patient, and strong, Tackle the Deuteronomy, Leviticus, and Numbers. <laughs> I'm so grateful for this story, stories of God, 
that informs me, that invites us to be God's people, that allows us to reinterpret and reaffirm the stories of our lives through the lens of God. And there lies salvation, peace, and joy, life of thanksgiving. Thanks be to God. Amen. Church family, would you join me in a time of prayer? O most glorious God, on this bright morning, we are gathered here because we need to hear the good news once again. We seek to know your word and to be transformed by it. Cleanse us by that word so that we may rejoice once more in our baptism and all that it means. Remind us of the vows we took, of what we promised for ourselves and on behalf of our children. Call to mind the covenant we have with you and with one another, an eternal covenant sworn, strengthened, and sustained in love. Lord, in your mercy. God of justice, our hearts are heavy this day, weighed down by the scourge of violence in our midst. How it must grieve you that your children wound and kill one another. How many of our fears give way to anger, and anger becomes hatred and irrational hatred erupts in violence. So much suffering that leads to even more suffering. And so we earnestly pray for your intervention. Forgive our sense of helplessness in the face of this great evil, and instead strengthen our resolve to respond in love. Transform our vow to resist evil in whatever form it may present itself into acts of love, compassion, and justice. Give us the wisdom, the will, and the courage to act. Use us to bring your grace and mercy and peace into this broken and hurting world. Lord, in your mercy. We pray this morning for all those whose lives are disrupted or even overtaken by illness, by fear, by despair. Grant your peace to those who doubt, who worry, who are anxious over many things. There are many who weigh on our hearts today for whom we care and whom we love. Hear our prayers now in the silence. We lift these prayers of our hearts 
into the light of your everlasting love and compassion that we may know your comfort. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, you have called us to be your people, a royal priesthood, those who have received great mercy and who have been called out of darkness into great light. You have called us living stones in the hands of the master builder. Make us truly a house of compassion, of inclusion, of hospitality, of love, a house in which your name is glorified and your praises are raised in joy. May the world look at us and see you. We lift this prayer in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, as we prepare to bring to God his tithes and our offerings, I want to thank you for your generosity. It's your generosity that allows us as living stones to be built into this marvelous congregation that reflects God's love into this world. Thank you.
Generous God, it is with great joy that we bring to you a portion of the 10,000 blessings that you have given us. Receive them, bless them, multiply them, use them to build us into your house of love and compassion. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now, here, and forevermore.